what did you eat for breakfast? I did not eat anything for breakfast. You are listening to the Music on Your Own Terms podcast. Business. 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 Recommendation, 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 promotion, entrepreneurship, live shows, live shows, This episode is sponsored by the Skinny Armadillo Print Company, located in Fort Worth, Texas. You may remember I talked to Justin back in episode 5 about the merch industry and his passion for music and working with bands and artists. Do you need help with your merch? Skinny Armadillo specializes in quality apparel decoration, including screen printing, embroidery, design, digital on-demand printing, web stores, fulfillment, and more. Contact Skinny Armadillo now to find out how you can grow your merch sales, discover the current printing technologies, or to get a quote. Call 817-546-1430 or visit theskinnyarmadillo.com. That's 817-546-1430 or visit theskinnyarmadillo.com. I have some great news for listeners of the podcast. If you're a band or an artist that needs some merch printed, or a business that needs promotional apparel or other items, in the month of January 2020, call Skinny Armadillo and mention the Music On Your Own Terms podcast and get 10% off your first order. Make sure you stay up to date with the podcast by signing up to the mailing list at musiconyourownterms.com. There you'll find show notes to every episode and links to other resources. Welcome to episode 36 of the Music on Your Own Terms podcast. This time around, we're talking with Anna Wagenhauser of Chloe and the Steel Strings. Recently, I connected with Anna on Instagram, but only realized later that I had not only heard an interview with her, but actually referenced her opinion on social media in previous episodes of the podcast. During this chat, we dig into the history of the band she both manages and performs in with her twin sister and the namesake of the group, Chloe, what led them to follow music as a career, and her daytime job in creative marketing, where she learns about tools and strategies that can then be applied to the music business. We talk about the group's dynamic, including living in the same house, crowdfunding to buy a touring van, and also the importance of philanthropy and community awareness. Anna has a lot of great tips on how to market your band, and as a younger musician and businesswoman, has some incredible insight into the current trends of gaining an audience, both at the gig and on social media. So let's get into it. Welcome to another episode of the Music on Your Own Terms podcast. I'm uh, joined today by Anna Wagenhauser. Wagenhauser, get Good that job. right? Good um, <laughs> From Chloe and the Steel Strings. Um, why don't we start off and um, give a bit of a background on the band and what you do in the band? Yeah, definitely. So um, 
My name's Anna again. I play keyboard with Chloe and the Steel Strings. We are an Americana kind of folk pop group out of Toledo, Ohio. Um, the lead singer is my identical twin, Chloe. She writes all the original songs, which is why the band isn't named after me. <laughs> it's named after her. And uh, the band uh, also includes Chloe's boyfriend, Connor, um, mm -hmm. who is actually from the Cleveland area, and we all met at the University of Toledo uh, when we were going to college and uh, kind of discovered that we all played music together and started, you know, practicing. And this is kind of what the, the group has become. We've uh, been playing for about a year and a half now. That's cool. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we kind of met on Instagram inadvertently, but uh, I hadn't realized that you were on um, the Mixed Signals uh, on the Radar podcast with my friend Bruce. Shout out to Bruce, episode 20. Um, and I actually had found myself uh, quoting you on your social media comments <laughs> on that show. But we can we can talk about that in a, in a little bit. Um, but you know, the, the more I do this podcast, the, 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 the smaller the world kind of gets, it's kind of, kind of freaky sometimes, but yeah, thanks for taking the time. Um, so why don't we go back and give, uh, you know, how, how did you get into music in the first place? I mean, obviously you and your sister play both play. So was it a musical family growing up? Or? Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, had a very musical family growing up, um, from a young age, Chloe and I were, you know, singing and playing piano. Um, for mm -hmm. me, we both started playing piano. Um, my dad actually was a dentist and then became an opera singer when I was probably in like fifth grade. Huh. So, you know, we kind of are a family that, you know, you kind of have like your professional job and then you kind of have your artistic job. So it's kind of funny that um, I've actually sort of followed a similar path there. Um, but yeah, Chloe and I, we played music together as a duo all through... Um, mm -hmm all through school, um, up through college even. Um, and then uh, Connor had played in a band in Cleveland in high school. Um, mm -hmm. And so when he came to Toledo, he was looking for a musical outlet. Um, so Excellent. Um, and so uh, when, if I remember correctly on, on your own episode of that podcast, Mixed Signals, uh, you were studying economics and your sister was studying uh, medical? Yes. <laughs> she was in medical so school? So she um, was studying biology and a minor in chemistry. Okay. Um, <laughs> which sounds terrible to me personally. Mm. And she had gotten into medical school and decided to uh, decline it Okay. in order to be a musician. Awesome. Um, but you did graduate? And, yeah, uh, so she so, she and I both have graduated. Okay. Yes, in May 2019. Mm -hmm. Nice, congratulations. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So you're actually now working for um a uh, a business growth agency. I I read the spin called Coact. Yes, so, yes. So I work at Coact. Okay. So what does that do? Yeah, so uh Coact is a sales and marketing company. Mm -hmm. Um we have like a business growth campaign. So imagine if you have a sales team and a marketing team, they kind of come together in order to grow business for, you know, many different clients. So we kind of become an extension of that team. So kind of fun that I, that I still get to be creative even in my, my day job. Right. But I, I would imagine you, you manage the band. So I imagine that kind of goes hand in hand and you're constantly seeing new ways of, um, 
you know, marketing a business and then maybe, you know, maybe you can turn that into marketing for the band. Yes, definitely. Even uh, today I was at work reading an article about marketing for businesses and, you know, how you can innovate um, in 2020, you know, different technology, things like that. And uh, there were actually some really interesting points that I sent to Chloe, like, hey, we should do this for the mm, band absolutely. <laughs> with our marketing. So it it's cool that I can learn, yeah. um, as you said, in both areas and they kind of combine. Absolutely. Um, so one thing I was definitely reading on your website, um, I, I like that you've got a section where you're telling the story of the band, but you also go into kind of spreading the idea of, you know, being, being successful. Um, you know, one particular section was, you know, have a plan, work to pursue your goals and don't compare yourself to others. Um, so, you know, what, what is your plan for the band? Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, we, we kind of change it and think about it all hmm. the time. Um, but the game plan for right now, you know, we're living in Toledo and mm -hmm. we all live in a house together, which is really awesome. Um, we're thinking that, you know, in the next year or two, um, Connor's currently in an MBA program. Mm -hmm. So once he graduates and we are able to connect more with people in Toledo, you know, I think there's a big market here that, you know, we still haven't reached everyone. Mm -hmm. So the kind of goal would be to build as big of an audience as we can in Toledo and then eventually figure out where we would kind of make our home base next. So probably not Toledo, but probably in the next year or two, we'd consider moving. Awesome. So one, one thing, the other, the other part of that was, um, you know, if, if you do start to have that imposter syndrome, um, you know, how, how do you go about not comparing yourself to somebody else? You know, cause I, I've always been, you know, I, I play guitar and I've been into really, uh, technical guitar players and, and bands like that. So, you know, it's always, oh, I, I really have to get this riff or this or this solo. And, you know, I'm never going to be that person because that person has been doing it for 20 years longer. And but like, you know, if if you're playing and you're you're seeing this other like Americana band, let's say, and they're really successful. you How, how do you compare yourself or how do you not compare yourself to them? Yeah, that's a great question. I think uh, for us, you know, we like to see a lot of other musicians and bands play. Mm hmm. And we, you know, we kind of note, you know, after the show, we'll be talking, you know, what did that band do really well? And, you know, do we do that? Do we not do it? Um, you know, are there things we can improve on? I think it's just admitting to ourselves that we are always, uh, we always have room to grow and that we're not, we're never better than anyone else mm. or necessarily worse than everyone else. We're just kind of on our own path. Right. Um, and so I think... You know, like, am I the the keyboardist that I would ultimately hope to be? Definitely not. You know, there's so many areas where I think I can improve. Sure. Um, when I meet people who are young keyboardists, they're like, oh, you're so good. Like, how did you learn that? And it just kind of takes me back to that place that they were at, and I see my my own progress. Mm -hmm. But then you flip that around, and you see the uh, the four-year-old playing drums at NAMM, and he's better than, like, a hundred drummers, <laughs> and he's four. Right. <laughs> so Right, and you're like, okay, well, maybe that person just has some, yeah. you know, God-given natural gift that I, you know, I've got to work harder, right. <laughs> you know? So I think, yeah, it's just kind of being thankful for 
the capabilities that we do have. Right. No, exactly. I think it just helps me. Excellent. Um, so, I mean, as far as band dynamics, I mean, be, being having um, had a couple of bands where personalities didn't kind of, uh, you know, mix well, how is, you know, how is living in a, in a, in a house together? You know, how does that work? Yeah, it's, uh, it's actually been really fun. Um, Chloe and I lived together in an apartment before moving in this, into this house. So it works pretty well. Um, we also have another roommate too, but it's Chloe, myself, Connor, and our other roommate. So, um, you know, Chloe and I are twins, so right. we get along really well. And then Chloe and Connor are dating. So as long as they're getting along and our other roommate, you know, is like a very chill person. So we, uh, we have... Uh, our dining room has been turned into like a, a jam room. So we've just got all of our, you know, random instruments set up. So it, it works pretty well. Um, we also have a guitarist who lives in, Cle- in Cleveland. So mm-hmm. if he's ever in town for a show, he'll just kind of crash on the couch. But that's pretty much the dynamic nice. <laughs> of our house. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Um, the other thing I saw you do is a lot of philanthropy, both as the band and in your day job. Um, could you talk to that a little bit? Yeah, definitely. Um, there are, a, there's a huge number of, um, nonprofit organizations in the Toledo area and a lot of them have, you know, fundraising events mm-hmm. or, you know, events to, you know, bring awareness to their cause. And, um, you know, we love, you know, playing and supporting those organizations. Um, we actually last weekend, it was a Friday and a Saturday we played two charity shows mm-hmm. and then we, in the evening we played our normal paid shows. Nice. So, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of work, you know, um, you know, hauling gear back and forth and, you mm-hmm. know, being there for the, for the charity events. But, um, you know, it's really rewarding and, um, you know, in terms of, you know, not being paid, you get the, you know, you get more community awareness and you're mm-hmm. able to meet so many people, um, and even, you know, the organizations we've played music for, we've ended up volunteering with just in our own time. Nice. Um, so it, it, it's been really re- rewarding. Yeah, that's excellent. I mean, do, do, you follow, do you follow Gary Vaynerchuk at all? I do. Yeah, so mm-hmm. his, his whole thing is, you know, never, never um, give with the expectation of uh, receiving. And right. uh, obviously that kind of thing, I mean, you're inevitably going to um, raise the level of the band awareness with within the community you know by default just because you're doing it but that obviously it sounds like you're doing it you know because you want to do it which is which is really good um and then as far as uh the other thing i did read was that you have a free spirit music management like company is that your your own um music managed that you're doing other bands with Yes, yes. So that really right now is not too active Mm. just because I'm trying to balance the actual working full time piece. But um, when I was still in college and it's something that I hope to pick back up once I can kind of balance my life. um, But it's the idea that there are a lot of independent musicians Mm -hmm. who maybe don't have a network of freelancers or people, you know, we have friends who are photographers or graphic designers Uh. who 
can help us with our, you know, brand image and marketing. Sure. And, you know, maybe if you live in kind of a remote area or you just don't know people who are creative in those ways, you don't really have many resources as an independent musician to be able to build your brand. Mm. Um, and so we've created a team of, there are actually a lot of just my friends who are very talented, um, who will work on different marketing projects like as needed for different independent artists in the community. Mm. So kind of a kind of a cool way to bring sort of that uh marketing team that say like a label would have. Right. But they would instead of the label taking a ton of money from the artist's contract to do work that maybe the artist doesn't need, it would just be project by project based. So you would only pay for the projects you needed. That's great. And do you have, um, I mean, sounding like you started it in college, um, did that take a lot of the, 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 uh, you know, the talent inside of the college network? And so, you know, maybe it's a good chance for band, you know, uh, bands to get what they need artistically, you know, for marketing, but also a chance for the actual, you know, designers or, or photographers to get, like some work so they've got something for their portfolio and it's a really good stepping point yes definitely so um yeah you're spot on um i have a lot of friends who you know want to work in the music industry Mm. on the business side but it's very competitive and you know living in you know toledo ohio there really isn't any opportunity here for companies to kind of be coming in you know Mm. for jobs in the music industry so it's kind of a cool way to be like hey well i do have experience working with a band you know whether or not it's with some like huge record label doesn't really matter it's just kind of getting your foot in the door um is kind of the first step yeah i mean i actually think that um this kind of thought's been buzzing around my mind a little bit um anyway but i think with the the downfall of the the traditional recording industry and record labels i think these kind of satellite um you know, management companies and, and, and little pockets of, of, you know, groups of people like this are, are going to be more commonplace because, you know, they won't have the, the infrastructure to have a big marketing machine anymore. You know, I think experts in the field don't, they, they can be the, uh, you know, the, on a contract basis. And I think that that'll work really well. Right. I, I totally agree. And, you know, part of it too, is that in this day and age, as you know, you know, you don't need to have, um, you know, a team of, you know, necessarily professionals mm. at a label. You know, there's so much information online and um, there are just way more ways to network with people that you would have never met before. So, you know, in terms of artists being able to keep more control over their own career mm. and their own music, you know, not having to necessarily sign contracts, um, but being able to still have support from a team um, that ultimately is kind of the goal. So definitely right. something that I um, will be working toward in the future. Cool. Um, so going, going to that, I mean, what, what do you find is the biggest uh, tool right now for musicians that's good for networking? Is it Instagram or is it just uh, shows working out in that area? I mean, how, how do you find the most traction? I'd say we find the most traction through playing live. Um, I think for us, with the genre we have, we're very lucky in that way that 
our music fits in many different mm. live music settings. You know, we can play a bar, we can play a restaurant, we can, we can play an original music venue, which obviously the goal is for us to be a 100% original music band. Mm-hmm. Um, right now we're kind of switching between the bar and restaurant circuit of playing covers too, just in order to, you know, supplement Chloe's income because she is a full-time musician. Sure. Um, but... You know, we we play weddings and different events, so um, kind of the combination of all of those things. It's been really fun to see how how the network we've created has really expanded, mm. even in terms of friendships. Um, I think most of the people that we kind of hang out with are people who we had no idea who they were until they came to a show. Nice. They came up and introduced themselves, and now we're friends. So Great. It, it's very cool. Yeah, I saw your uh, cover of uh, Black Hole Sun. That's probably my favorite song ever. That was that was really well done. Oh, cool. Thank you. That um, uh, Someone actually that would be cool to uh, interview on the podcast is uh, Aaron Hertzfeld. He, he was the lead he's singer? The, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. He, he's excellent in another Toledo area yeah, musician. He, he's got a really good voice. Um, so yeah, I mean, going back to that, have you looked into house shows at all? Cause, um, one of the things, uh, I found from like the CD baby, uh, podcast, um, they had a whole string of uh, things about booking house shows across the country and, and a couple of artists were making a ton of money just doing that because they were a very captive audience in someone's private home and, you know, there there was a, it's a very intimate setting, so you don't have people wandering in and out of a bar. You you know they're very captivated. Have you have you looked into that kind of thing? Yes, we have a little bit, and we haven't really implemented anything um, yet. Partially because we've been raising money for a van. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, our kind of band vehicle is a two thousand seven Volvo station wagon, and it works very well with you know putting the seats down and hauling mm. as much shit as we can into the back. <laughs> <laughs> but in order for us to do any traveling, um, you know, we, we've been raising money um, through GoFundMe. We've raised about $5,000 so far. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been really cool. But definitely uh, house shows um, would be kind of an ideal situation for us, actually, in terms of the, so- the style um, and having people sitting down and listening. Mm. Um, some of the best shows we have are in more of a listening room setting and not as much of a bar like what you said right. so yeah definitely uh, a fun way to to really connect with people and become friends with them mm. um versus you know thinking of them as like fans right. you know we're at the point where you know i have never called anybody a fan i may say our audience but even then uh our audience right now is still very much people in the community and i would consider them more like acquaintances sure you know than people who are you know a fan so and i think if you look at you know various people's business models that's the way it's going you know like we said gary vaynerchuk before i mean his whole thing is person to person it's not not one to many it's one to one you you build the relationships you know one by one um but yeah it's 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 definitely something i i feel that you need to hear all the nuances and you know there's a lot of different um you know, different volume, not volumes, but a lot of different uh, accents that you can hear. Whereas I'm into the more the music that just basically in your face, and it doesn't matter if people are talking; they can't hear each other anyway. Um, CD Baby, um, going back to them, 
funny you mentioned the the GoFundMe because I was actually in the podcast taping at uh, the uh, the Austin uh, conference just this summer, and that the oh, cool. the actual podcast was about the death of crowdfunding. So mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting you're still able to do it. Especially, what was the uh, one of the companies got in a lot of trouble because they weren't paying the artists. I, I, it, the name, which one it was slips my mind right now. Um, obviously it wasn't GoFundMe, but it was one of the other ones. And, and their, their whole point to that was the fact that it's really difficult to get people to pay upfront for something on a, on a larger level where it's actually, cause there's so much work involved and it's so stressful. Whereas, you know, it, the, the kind of, um, going back to the to the thousand true friends model one you know one to one it kind of makes it a little more manageable sometimes but i mean how much work have you put into marketing that particular fund right so we um we marketed it starting probably around this time last year we actually um because we're kind of thinking of staying in the area for another year or two we really have kind of stopped marketing it mm. currently but Um, We decided to just research, you know, musicians who have raised large amounts of money for a van. Mm -hmm. And there was a guy we found in Australia who had raised like $1,200 or $12,000, excuse me, for a van just through GoFundMe alone. Mm. And I kind of looked at what he did and he was giving away different levels of like merch to people who donated. So that's kind of what we did. So it's like, you know, if you donate, you know, $20, you get an album. If you donate 50, you get a t-shirt, you know, up to a certain point. Mm -hmm. I mean, so people kind of got excited about getting free merch. And obviously, you know, we're kind of losing money on the merch, but, you know, they have our merch now, so they may wear our t-shirt. And they also, you know, helped our, our GoFundMe, um, we actually, we had a person donate $1,000, um, which was uh, kind of funny. Chloe's like, Anna, go check the GoFundMe. Somebody donated $1,000, and we don't know who it is to this day. I did actually so. see that. I saw, <laughs> saw the fact that it was anonymous. I'm like, hmm. Yeah. We're like, we keep on thinking, like, who could it be? But, you know, we have a lot of, you know, people come to our shows that we would, you know, never talk to. Right. Um, but, yeah, so it's kind of, I think part of it, we've had to build trust in Mm -hmm. our audience that we will get a van with their money (laughs) you know they're kind of like well why am i donating money when you know i have no idea that you guys will actually follow through Mm. and i'm like well trust me like the money is going uh it is going toward a van um the cool thing about it too is we've had a lot of people donate who saw the gofundme and they're like well let me just send you a check or cash or whatever because i don't want the fee to go to GoFundMe. Sure. So it it's kind of, like I said, the GoFundMe has raised some money and then a lot of the other money has come from people's like private donations. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So obviously uh, finance is a big, uh, a big thing that you have to look into um, outside of just GoFundMe. Um, you know, how do you go about managing the finances for somebody who's, you know, got a full-time job and then your sister's full-time, um, you know, do you have a, like a band agreement and everything, you know, quote unquote legally set up? Yeah. So we, we are an LLC. Okay. Um, yeah. So that was something, 
somebody told me about a year ago, they're like, you should really become an LLC just because once you start making a certain amount of money, the IRS is going to be like, well, where did you get all that money? You didn't randomly just have like $50,000 like last year, you know? Right. <laughs> so that was definitely important. So we've done that. Um, but in terms of actually keeping track of, you know, how much money we're making, I literally just have a Google sheet where we have every year kind of uh, planned out in a new tab. Mm -hmm. And we write down every show we play and how much we were paid, how much money we made in tips. Um, and so we keep a running track. Um, and that's kind of how we set our goals. Um, so like from uh, last year to this year, we've doubled our revenue. Excellent. And the goal next year is to double that if possible and maybe a little tricky mm. <laughs> unless we start selling like a ton of merch but um it's kind of cool for us to be able to see like oh you know we like why are we making this much money and how can we kind of expand on it um mm. it is cool um you know right now chloe from the band will make about as much money as i do at my full-time job so I think my whole goal, you know, I love being a musician. I love the business side of music equally as much. Mm. And, you know, seeing Chloe be successful in what she loves to do, and what I do think is a huge passion for her, and she's very good at what she does, you know, seeing her reach her goals would be the ultimate payout for me. So, awesome. you know, whether I make any money from the band is kind of obsolete. You know, I know that I could, um, you know, go work in marketing the rest of my life and be okay. Mm. But I think it is sort of that broader vision of just seeing her really happy that I think, you know, kind of motivates me if I don't really feel like doing band stuff today, you know? Right, right. <laughs> That's cool. I mean, the, I mean, the, you know, you need to enjoy your process and, and the, uh, the art is really if you want to do music for a living or at least get money for it and do it properly, you have to love doing the art, whether you're making, you know, nothing or whether you're making a ton of money. That's kind of the whole point. So that's, that's really cool. Right. I mean, there'll be some shows. I mean, we will play 180 shows in 2019. Wow. So we're, we're playing a lot. Um, but I mean, there'll be shows where there's literally nobody. Mm. Or there are, the room's packed, but nobody's listening. Right. And, you know, I think when we started being the band, you know, originally those types of situations would make us feel kind of depressed. You know, you're like, well, nobody's clapping and nobody's paying attention. And I'm up here feeling like I'm doing a really good job. Um, but I think we've come to realize as we've matured as a group and just as people in general that you just have to play well just for yourself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you have a good show, that's all you can do. If nobody listened, you made a little money anyway, and it was good practice for the next show when people are listening. Absolutely. <laughs> and you never know if so. the if the, the room that wasn't listening may have ended up with a check for $1,000 that you didn't know where right. it came from. So I mean, you yeah, never right, know. exactly. It could have been from somebody who we thought wasn't paying attention. Right. Um, so, I, t I, you know, for... For people listening, I mean, what, what do you think something um, that musicians often overlook is in terms of in terms of business, I guess? Hmm, that's a really good question. Um, I think I think a lot of it in today's like music industry, especially for independent artists, 
there's an aspect of self-promotion that I think people kind of get off balance. Um, you know, I think, especially when you're releasing new music and given we released one song in 2019 and it was on January 1st. So this entire year, we really haven't done a lot of self-promotion in terms of music release. So, you know, if you're doing that, I understand that you have to be, you know, maybe a little bit more pushy in terms of your messaging. Um, but I think musicians can be frustrated at times because they're like, well, I released this song and I'm telling people to go listen to it and nobody's paying attention. And what I've learned from working in marketing in general and with the marketing we've done is that it's actually better just to post about your day-to-day -day life, mm -hmm. make people feel like they know you. And then when you post, hey, you know, I released this new song, you know, all of you have become my network, my friends, you know, I would really appreciate it if you would listen to it. Let me know what you think. Um, I mean, we will even like private message people with like, hey, here's our song. Just wanted to say hi. Hope you can listen to it. Mm. People respond much better when they think the messaging is personalized to them. Absolutely. So I think it's I think it's a balance. But even for musicians in Toledo, sometimes I'll see people post things and I'm like, oh, like I really wish that they would have just nurtured the relationship more. Sure. And I think that brings us a little full circle back to the uh, uh, on the radio um, episode because what you said was that uh, we were talking about posting your day-to-day -day, or that you, you guys were talking about posting your day-to-day -day life and what you're doing. And I think the conversation strain on the episode was that a lot of the people in that room were a lot older and it was not natural But for people like me. It's like, Oh, I have to do that. I have to remind myself. But for someone like you, who's grown up with social media in your face, it's like a natural thing. So it's kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's like a social, um, it's almost social con conditioning. Like uh, everyone has that social conditioning from their era when they grow up and, you know, whether it's, it's winding the, the cassette tape with a pencil or, you know, posting on social media, it's all, it's, it's just ingrained in your mind. Right. And I think part of it too, and you know, people will kind of give us comments like, Oh, well you guys are identical twin girls. Like obviously people are going to like your photo on Instagram, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, well, you know, I, I understand why people would say that. And on the Mixed Signals podcast, I was the only girl. Mm. Um, but, you know, I do think, you know, Chloe and I usually at the beginning of my day, when I'm at work, I text Chloe. I'm like, hey, Chloe, good morning. I know you're probably still asleep, <laughs> but just wanted to ask you, what can I do for the band today? Mm. And sh And I'll be like, here's my ideas of what I need to get done for the band. And she'll reply and be like, yeah, that's great. Like, maybe we should make a social media post today. Like, we haven't posted in a couple days. Right. And, you know, we kind of talk, like, is there any content we have that is meaningful to post? Mm. And if we don't have anything meaningful, we won't post. You were like, yeah, it would be kind of nice to post something on Instagram or Facebook. But if it just looks like some stupid content that... Um, you know, doesn't have a lot of like bulk to it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be like, well, I'll just wait. Um, so yeah, I think, I think part of it is um, there used to be in the past couple of years, this urgency to be posting as frequently as possible. 
And I really don't think that's the case now. I think, if anything, people are tired of weak content mm. that they see all the time. If you posted once a month or twice a month just when you had a big show or you released a song or you got new merch or, you know, you met your favorite musician or it's your mom's birthday, like, I don't care what it is, but if it's something meaningful to you, post it once a month and people will engage with it way more mm. so because i don't i don't know if it's like a frequency argument of remembering to post it's just when you have a good moment in your life that's what people care about and then you post awesome yeah i mean going back to the uh the cd baby conference are you familiar with simon tan i'm not he, no. he, he's in a band called the slants uh which is like a I think it's like an. It was originally like an uh, a Comic Con anime rock band. They're all they're all Asian, hence the word the slant the slants. Um, mm-hmm. But he he is a genius marketer. I mean, he I went to two of his uh, sessions, and the one thing that stood out to me uh, pertaining to this conversation is he took over marketing for a college. I think either he was at the college. Or it was a little bit after and he was doing some pro bono work or something. But they they posted something about, um, you know, a snowstorm and, you know, the old classes are closed that day and nothing happened. And he spun it around and put a picture of somebody driving along the road with, um, you know, an AT-AT Star Wars, um, you know, walker on the horizon. And it got like hundreds of, of likes. <laughs> oh, courses are closed, you know, and and, and it's just that turning something from a boring picture of snow to something iconic that everyone knows and making making a splash with it um right it reminds me of uh (laughs) so actually the graphic designer that we work with for free spirit music management she does marketing work for the university of toledo where Mm -hmm. we all went and kind of a funny story uh, about a year ago on Twitter, the UT Twitter made this post that said that if they got like 500,000 retweets, they would change the mascot to Shrek. <laughs> 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 and uh, and I texted this graphic designer and I was like, you know, hey, like what's going on? She's like, we're just trying to mix it up, you know? And they had to end up taking, they had to take it down <laughs> because they were getting so many retweets. <laughs> That's funny. So, but yeah, just kind of like, you know, posting content that you would not expect. Right. Exactly. That that was his whole point. Um, so do you mind bringing the conversation down a little bit? Um, just wanted to ask what major negative experience have you overcome and what did you learn from it? Yeah, definitely. In terms of like music or just in general? In general, anything. Hmm. I'd probably say um, when I was a sophomore in college, um, my parents went through a pretty tough divorce. Mm -hmm. Um, The time Chloe and I were living at our parents' house to save money. Okay. Um, But just because of some some difficult family situations, kind of safety purposes, we moved out in the course of a week. Mm. So it was kind of a, like a sudden change and, um, I think it was the spring of 2017. We had just, um, we had just kind of formed the band. 
and we were we had all of these different things planned. Um, I had a really busy schedule. I had taken on a couple different kind of leadership roles um, within different you know hobbies that I had in college, and mm-hmm. um, you know I think it's hard to be successful just in your day to day life when you're dealing with something like emotional deep down. And I think, you know, it was a time where for a couple months I had to kind of like shut out my emotions mm. and just kind of like press forward because if I didn't press forward, like everything was just going to like fall apart mm. and I had too much that I had like gotten myself into, <laughs> right. you know, I had people relying on me to, you know, be a good group partner to help lead them in different things. I did undergrad research. I have a minor in piano performance. I was taking piano lessons. So, mm. you know, there are all these different, uh, yeah, all these different activities I was in that I felt like I had to succeed in. Um, and the funny thing about it is that it was like the worst couple of months of my life, but it was also the best mm. because it changed my outlook on what I'm capable of doing as a person. Um, And now that I've kind of healed from, you know, some of the emotional things I was dealing with at that time, I've realized that I really have way more power as a person to, you know, change my, my life Mm. um, than I thought I had. Right. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, Flipping it around, what major positive experience have you experienced that kind of uh, encouraged you to pursue music or and or marketing yeah definitely um i'd say um a lot of our support uh chloe and me our support um for music came from us attending an all-girls high school Mm -hmm. um so we went to it's called saint ursula it's a local all-girls like private high school and um, we actually didn't think we were even going to attend because it's a little expensive and, you know, we tried to work it out. Um, we were able to go there and uh, they they saw that Chloe and I, you know, like to sing and, you know, play music and I played piano. Chloe was learning guitar at the time and they kind of like picked us up as, you know, you guys are going to do music for literally everything the school has. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we were playing, uh, it's a Catholic school, so... And we weren't raised Catholic, but they had us playing masses. They had us playing graduation ceremonies, mm. like all these different events. Um, and uh, it was just really kind of fun to be able to learn all this different music. And then it was also it was also cool because we had the recognition of a lot of the students. Mm-hmm. Um, those students and the teachers were actually some of the first people who listened to Chloe and the Steel Strings music. Mm-hmm. Um, and even to this day, um, we will go back and play music there. So it's a very nice. supportive group. Um, that's kind of how we got started. Great. Kind of sounds like the, somebody that, um, you know, saw a, um, you know, an inherent kind of... Uh, skill set there and, and wanted to nurture it like i i can't help th- feeling though you know that 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 could have ended up backfiring for them because you know you, you hear about kids in sports that get pushed too hard and then you know they they end up you know 
at, at the very least, they just don't want anything to do with it ever again, and they just go do something else. But sounds like right. you know, the whole the the environment um, was pretty supportive, so that's that's really good. Yeah, well, and I think part of it too, um, and I can relate one hundred percent to what you said about you know kids being pushed too hard. You know, my dad um, was oh an amazing musician, so you know, he was really hard on Chloe and me to be, you know, kind of perfectionists in a way. Mm. You know, when I was younger, like I'd be practicing piano and he'd be upstairs taking a nap and I'd hear him be like, Anna, that measure wasn't right. Play it again. I'm like, dude, you're sleeping. Go back to sleep. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, by the time we were in high school, we had finally kind of chosen music as mm. our own thing. So I think that, you know, I started playing piano when I was young and I quit because I felt like I was pushed too hard. Mm. And then in high school and college, I decided that I wanted to pick it back up just for me. Right. And I think, you know, I kind of regretted the lost time, but simultaneously, you know, me being self-directed at an older age made mm. me make up for the time and more. So oh, it's kind of funny how that works. Yeah. I mean, my, when I was, uh, I, I started playing when I was 11. Um, and I think when I was about 14 or 15, I got my, um, you know, best teacher in my teenage years. And even, even then it was like, you know, learn your scales, do this, do that. And I'd be like, no, I just want to jam along with this metal track, and he gets frustrated. Right. But I was still playing, but I I wouldn't learn my scales, and you know I wish I had now. You know, it would have been so much more e you know easier today that if I learned those you know patterns. <laughs> right, know. exactly. Like I look back and I'm like, wow, you know, my dad was right that I should have been slowing down and actually learning the music the correct way. But it just you know it's kind of funny. It <laughs> in hindsight <laughs> yeah. but I, I like to think that i you know i've had to put in extra work in order to make up for it right so uh, it is what it is so mm -hmm. um so the big question is what does music mean to you music to me has always been kind of my alone time my my place where i'm able to um kind of just focus and at the same time, like, let my energy out. Mm. Um, I think when I was working toward my piano performance minor in college, uh, I would practice an, at least an hour a day. And that time was probably the best time of my day, partially because I was able to, you know, play the music, which I love. Um, but it also was a time for me to kind of just like think through a lot of things going on in my head mm. and it made me feel like I was making progress. So I think in just in terms of how I felt about myself and where I was at in my life, I felt like I was doing something positive. Mm. Um, so, you know, if I was ever having a hard day, I was like, well, at least I learned a couple new measures. Um, and that's the same thing um, now with the band when we play a show I feel really accomplished at the end of a good show. Um, the um, Just being able to, even I've started soloing more, and uh, music has just really taught me that I'm capable of greater things. Mm. 
than what I expected. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I've always thought of uh, music as as uh, meditation anyway because you're you're taking the uh the concentration out of your um left brain and into your right brain so you're naturally you know bypassing your your time you know the your um focus on time and space and you're just you're just going in that flow state um and it, it i think it it's a, a healing you know a healing practice and you know you, you I think if you're learning a piece, it's it's difficult to get into that flow state. But once you're actually, you've got the muscle memory down, and you're actually just rehearsing it. I think that's when you get into that, you know, mindset. So definitely excellent. Um, so where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, so uh, you can find us on um, all major social media platforms. I'm at Chloe and the Steel Steering. So that's uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, we also have a website, ChloeAndTheSteelStrings.com. Um, in terms of our original music, um, we're also on all major music distributors, um, Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, if that still exists. <laughs> um, it does. For a little bit longer, probably, but... We'll see. They're always trying to outdo <laughs> each other, so... I know. know. <laughs> um, and what I like to do at the end is uh, play a piece of music. So what, what song would you like me to play? Um, you can play, it's our, um, our song Like Mad. Okay. Will do. Um, any, any final words, any advice for, for musicians or? I'd say just, uh, continue as much as you can to be persistent, keep practicing, uh, be humble and ask questions, um, learn from older musicians and don't be afraid to become friends with them and ask for advice on what their experience is. Mm. Um, and I think ultimately just uh, kind of enjoy the process. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you very much for taking the time. It was a great interview. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Anytime. Thanks again for listening. I'd really appreciate it if you would leave a review on iTunes because it really helps to get the word out. I think the information that the band's artists and other business people are sharing with me is extremely useful for the musicians community. Don't forget to check out the show notes from this and every other episode at the website at musiconyourownterms.com and while you're there, sign up for the newsletter so you can stay in the loop about upcoming episodes and other events happening with the podcast. Give me a buzz on social media and let me know what you're enjoying and what you want to hear in the future. Keep pushing the needle and be excellent to each other. This is Chloe and the Steel Strings with Like Mad. Sure you've got the girl.